Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season to all of you this Friday, June the 24th, as the light of Jesus shines on us from Genesis chapter 21. It is really fascinating as we have gone from Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot and his daughters, and now from Abraham to Abimelech. In 21, we get some good news. We obviously have had promises to this point, but today it really comes forward for us as we see finally the birth of Isaac, which is a great gift to uh, obviously Abraham and to Sarah, but also reminds us that God keeps his promises. So that's a good reminder for us as we look at our own lives that God does keep his promises and we see that come through today. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome back Pastor Dustin Beck of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Pastor Beck, happy Pentecost and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you so much, Pastor Finnern. Good to be with you again. Yes, absolutely. So tell us what's going on. You know, we're way up north here. We have 100 degrees. You're way down <laughs> south. So what's happening in Texas and for you and your family? Well, it's uh, air conditioner season down here in Texas. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we we uh, hop, skip and jump uh, outside whenever we have to. And uh, then we make our way to the next uh, bit of shade or air conditioning, as it were. And, uh, you know, we're just uh, we're enjoying things. Um uh, I always like to say that summertime is going to be a little less busy, but then that's never, ever true. It's just a different kind of busy. Great. So uh, Faith High School here in Central Texas is uh, currently on summer break, of course, but we got a lot of things going on with uh, District LWML conventions and VBS was this week. And we just got a lot of, a lot of irons in the fire, but uh, it's all good stuff for sure. I tell you what, you posted a lot of really fun uh post at the LWML convention. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that uh, for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with LWML? Yeah. So the Lutheran Women's Missionary League, uh, goodness, it's been around for 80 years. Can you even mm. imagine? Uh, yeah. That's that's a long time to be doing ministry. And uh, yeah, so um, it exists as a, as a national organization and also uh, on the district level as well. And, uh, so, uh, it was, it was kind of disclosed to us in one of the, one of the video presentations that was there that one of the things, the LWML that everybody, like, this is my childhood memory of LWML is those little cardboard mite boxes. Do you remember those? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have one. My, of my mom house. always yep. kept one. Uh, she always kept one right by the washer and dryer. And anytime that we had pennies, nickels, dimes, et cetera, uh, even quarters, you know, they would make it into the mite box and then, uh, make it up there to the church on Sundays. And so through, uh, gifts like that, through other things, uh, of that nature, the LWML over the last 80 years has funded uh, grants totaling about $130 million. And all of that money goes towards different mission projects, different uh, mission groups, different, you know, uh, some of the things uh, that, that I know I received was um, while I was at seminary training to be a pastor, you know, the LWML supported uh, the seminarians that were there, you know, it was, Absolutely. Um, it was, you know, you always got kind of this, like the seminary was really good about giving us, you know, here's a list of, of, of thank yous that you need to write. These are the people that are supporting you. And I remember yeah. LWML was always right at the center of that. Um, and so uh, they do some incredible things. They have, uh, their task is to, to equip uh, women uh, to be, um, 
I guess, more informed about mission work, um, and they're encouraged uh, to continue to live out their Christian lives uh, there in their communities, um, and then also uh, to support global missions as well. Uh, so it's a it's a great thing. And these ladies, they take missions very seriously, but um, they also have a ton of fun together. You know, so it's it, it's a it's a good time to get together for a convention and to um, to talk about the important things of the church. I love it. My yeah, Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell has been very involved in LWML. And I grew up, like you said, I grew up, uh, I remember in 19, uh, boy, what year was that? 1991. We went to Cleveland where the National Convention, my father was a oh, wow. zone counselor. And so we just had a great time um, down in Cleveland for that convention. And what I remember is, I'm going to say this like a Minnesotan though, is uh, they had purple <laughs> bags, uh, you know, the purple bags they're carrying around. And I remember thinking, I was They had what? purple What? Bags like uh, uh, back, oh or, uh, you know, that's how we say satchels. <laughs> satchels. There you go. You can say it that way. I'm going to say that from now on. I'm just going to say that's a grocery satchel. I'm going to say that. Yeah, from now or, on. anyways. Or um, sack. And so they had sack. They had they carried these around. And I remember I was like, <laughs> what is going on? But they all had one, and it was just phenomenal. The more you learn, my mom was involved. My grandmother was involved. My aunt was president of Minnesota North LWML. Wow, God so be it's been praised. a major part of of uh, yeah. Thanks be to God. So really, make sure that um, you pray for LWML. Encourage uh, women to be part of that, and also to give thanks because I same as you, college, seminary supporting in so many different ways and uh, we right. give thanks so so but let's get to the text today uh, pastor can you begin our time in prayer yes i will let us pray gracious father in heaven we thank you for this day that you have given to us for your mercies which are new each and every morning uh we thank especially thank you for some of the news that's uh that's coming out in current events mm -hmm. right now we ask that you would continue uh to watch over um all of our um, our representatives in government and all those who uh protect the innocent and who uh at times punish the wicked we ask lord that you'd bless our uh study of your word this day especially as it is found in genesis chapter 21 uh may your word bless us and may your word uh, enlighten us to the promises that you make to us and to the promises that are ultimately fulfilled in Christ. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Reminder, if you have any questions concerning our text this morning of Genesis chapter 21, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org, or give us a call, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, chapter 21 is, is quite long, so I'm not going to read I'm not yeah. going to read all the whole chapter, but I do want to start with how do you want to start us off? Because this is a, this is a highlight at the beginning of Genesis. The son is finally right. born. So give us some context or how do you want to start us off on the right foot today? Sure. So um, our listeners uh, who have been listening along, they need to remember that in uh, chapter 12 is when the book of Genesis moves uh, from uh, sort of the introduction and fall, sort of the preface to everything that's going to go on, uh, to now we're getting into the story of God's salvation. So going all the way back to chapter 12, uh, we're going we're gonna, to um, cover about 25 or so years uh, from chapter 12 to chapter 21. And we're going to have um, Abram, remember, is going to be called um, by God to leave behind his father's land and home and everything else. Um, a couple of chapters later, um, God has not acted in the time frame that, uh, um, that, that Abraham was hoping for. And so at Sarah's <laughs> insistence, um, he, uh, he uh, has a son um, whom he calls Ishmael uh, by Hagar, uh, Sarah's servant. 
And then this promise about um, having a child with Sarah, um, even in her old age, they're getting quite old by this point. Uh, It's renewed in chapter 16. Chapter 17 and 18, we have um, the whole uh, Sodom and Gomorrah uh, episode, right, Uh, where God has Mm -hmm. visited Abraham and he said, about this time next year, I'm going to come back and you're going to have a child. We'll have to remember that Sarah laughed in the tent. Then there was the whole back and forth about you laughed. And she's like, no, I didn't. And then he's like, yeah, you did. Right? Remember that? It's like, okay, God get, God gets his way. Um, of course, uh, Lot is rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah along with his daughters. Um, that's a whole nother, uh, whole nother episode. Um, and then we find ourselves uh, with chapter 20, uh, yesterday's show, when Abraham, for the second time, attempts to pass off Sarah as his sister. What a strange, strange thing this is, right? Man, um, you know, uh, we always talk about Abraham as the man of faith, and I think that's absolutely right. But even the man of faith um, has his moments of weakness and has his moments of, of doubt. And so he, um, he had, um, you know, gone uh, into the land uh, here of Abimelech, where he is king, right? And he had um, said, yeah, you know, I mean, she's my sister. And uh, there's this interesting detail at the very end of chapter 20. After it comes out that um, it's actually Sarah is his uh, his wife, right? Um, and you know Abimelech is like, oh my goodness, why did you why did you allow this to happen? You know, and Abimelech, just like a pharaoh in Egypt had done several chapters earlier, uh, he uh, gives Abraham kind of he gives him something that says, hey, listen, this is my pledge to you that I didn't touch her, nothing bad happened, right? And then at the mm-hmm. very end of chapter twenty, you have this little detail that says that the wombs of Abimelech's um, wife and his household, all of the the servant women, uh, they were opened because up to that point God had closed them. And then we get into our chapter for today, which I think is just a it's a really interesting, almost kind of an irony that here you have God opening the wombs of well this this foreigner, this pagan, um, and mm-hmm. then he's going to do the very same thing uh, for Sarah in our text. But like you said, I mean, this is uh, just one last thing. Like you said, yeah. this is um, the the fulfillment or at least the the beginning of the maybe we can think about this as uh, the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham. And it starts in a trickle. Right. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the father mm-hmm. of many nations, but it's going to start with this this one little guy, this one little baby uh, whose name is Isaac. He laughs. Isn't that something? Yeah. Let's get into oh, the so text. Great. How about it's so great? Yeah, and and I'll, I would encourage our listeners to listen to yesterday's study with Pastor Stuart Crown from California, because oh, yeah. he really brought it together beautifully to speak about. And and you have just reinforced reinforced it this morning is reinforce his understanding of Abraham. One is growing in faith because we know this in Hebrews. We know this throughout the faith of Abraham. It obviously was true, but he's also growing because. What, what what am I doing? Okay, I'm traveling back to, to Canaan. Okay, all right, so we'll do this. And then there's laughter. God, God says something, you know, and we laugh, and but yet God's promises are true. And, and he's talked about God carrying them through all of this while they're growing in faith. And I thought that was just very helpful. Yeah. The language throughout Abraham's life is God carrying him and Sarah through, which is obviously relatable for us because, well, God carries us through. Any other thoughts before we begin, Pastor? Um, I think, I think let's go ahead and get into the text. I I just, I want to start off with that idea that, um, that, yeah, this is going to be the beginning of the fulfillment of the promises given to Abraham. Um, and we remember those promises, of course, that, um, that his offspring will one day outnumber the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the, on the seashore. 
Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then that um, God will bless all those who bless him. We'll see a little bit of that uh, at the end of our text today. Uh, and all then right. that all of the nations, all the families of the earth will find their blessing in Abraham's offspring. And that's going to start, like I said, uh, just with this little trickle, almost a drip. Right. Um, it's it's going to start just tiny and then it's eventually going to it's going to get big right i mean right. Uh, isaac's uh, isaac's son uh, jacob is going to have 12 sons and they're going to become a great mighty nation well not mighty but they're going to become a great nation at least num numerically speaking <laughs> absolutely no i love i love that language may we remember it that the, the fulfillment has come true but it starts with a tiny drip so let's begin um we are reading genesis we're studying genesis 21 verses 1 through 7 and we'll be reading from the english standard version we hear the word of our lord the lord yahweh visited sarah as he had said and the lord did to sarah as he had promised and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time in which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was to be born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he, had eight, he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Mm. Pastor, let's just start with this. There is great joy. And, 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 and you're, you're a father. You know, I'm a father. We celebrate a Father's yeah. Day. The, this, the joy that you and I had, I just said, the joy that I had with all four children, <laughs> it's unexplainable. But just think of the yeah. joy in this situation. Pastor, break this down for us. Right. It's been a long time coming. That's for sure. I mean, uh, Abraham is 100 years old. Sarah is 90. This is not the kind of thing that you expect. And in fact, this is the kind of thing that uh, by the time people are in their, their 90s and, and, and pushing 100, you know, it's, you've kind of given up on uh, on that kind of joy you've you've kind of given up on uh expecting that i think uh you know every young couple uh they expect that there will be children at least i should say most young couples they expect that you know after marriage comes children because that's the way that it goes you know and then you perhaps get a dog or maybe we get that out of order nowadays and you know then the white picket fence and everything like that but I want to really zoom in on this, uh, the first four words that we've got here. The Lord, uh, as you as you said, Yahweh, uh, that is the proper name of God here. Yahweh visited Sarah, right? Mm. Um, and when he visits Sarah, uh, what that basically means is that he shows up according to his mercy and according to his promise. Um, we see this all throughout um, the, uh, the Old Testament. In fact, right now, um, you know, we're uh, we're studying Amos in Bible class right now, and uh, Amos is uh, is that very famous phrase, "Prepare to meet your God." Right, mm -hmm. but there, mm -hmm. when God shows up to visit His people, it's not for good, right? It's not for blessing; it's for cursing. I think all the way back to Genesis three, uh, when the Lord shows up among His people, among Adam and Eve, right, and there uh, He's there walking in the cool of the morning, and there Adam and Eve are hiding in the in the bushes. Um, you know, Lord, I hid from you before I I was naked and I was afraid, right? But when God shows up, He shows up like this. He shows up to bless the faithful, and He shows up. He visits the people to punish the faithless. Um, and that's exactly what we have right here is that Sarah, even through all of this mess, even through laughter in the tent, even through allowing Abraham uh, to uh, 
uh, to pawn her off as his sister, um, even allowing Abraham to impregnate her servant, all of those kinds of things, right? Um, Sarah is still viewed as a person of faith, and just as Abraham is um, in light of his slip-ups and his, uh, his indiscretions and the times when he is faithless, or at least so it seems to us. So Sarah is a woman of faith, and so when God visits her according to his promise, just as he said, he does just as he has promised. And so she conceives, she bears this son, and they uh, call him uh, the name Isaac, uh, which is, again, a callback uh, to that uh, that moment. In uh, It's in chapter 17, right? Or is it in chapter 16? Mm. And I believe You're, it's to, chapter to laugh, 17. Laughter? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, 17. Yeah. yeah. 17, oh, yeah, 17 chapter, verse right? 17. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, Sarah, your yeah. wife shall bear you a son, and you should call his name Isaac. Because Sarah had this this exchange with God back and forth about, you know, I laughed. No, you didn't laugh. Yes, you did. <laughs> um, now, it's important for us that Abraham circumcises his son Isaac when he's eight days old, just as God had commanded him. Because, again, this ties back into the covenant that God had given to him. And this covenant is a covenant of procreation. It's a covenant that is intended to be handed down from the father to the sons um, and also, you know, also to the daughters, although not in an outward marker kind of a way. But circumcision is that covenant that is given all the way, uh, given to Abraham so that his people might be distinct and different, marked unlike all of the rest of the nations in the world at that time, so that they would be set aside. And each and every time that they entered into um, the marital act, they would be reminded of this promise that through the seed of Abraham— Right. Who by uh, according to their the, the circumcision that had been done to them, they had been made partakers of this promise. They had been made partakers of his offspring, of his seed. So now were they um, participating in the carrying on of that fulfillment of the promise? I mean, it's a mm. it's kind of a beautiful thing that God has done this. And we we kind of squirm when we talk about and think about circumcision, and everything, because it's you know, we're. Um, uh, you know, maybe a little bit ashamed of, uh, you know, and, and maybe we're um, a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We're a little mm-hmm. bit more, um, well, discreet about things like that. We don't talk about right. things like that, right. especially over the radio or in person or ever. But a confirmation <laughs> uh, class or, or confirmation whatever it might class. be, it, yeah, when the it, middle it comes down to... Right. And right. so the same thing, like why we still cover <laughs> Jesus up when we see a crucifix, right. that you still have that kind of... Yeah, shame, I suppose, might be when we speak about such things. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it was a fascinating reality given, to speak. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but here mm-hmm. the promise is given, and it is applied to Isaac, so that from, yeah. well, I'm not going to say from day one, but from day eight, which has significance right. as well, from day eight, he is made a partaker of the covenant. He is um, he is there labeled as uh, this fulfillment of the promise that God made all the way back in chapter 12 and confirmed in chapter 15. And um, we can talk just briefly about this eighth day uh, theology. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's something that uh, perhaps your guests have, have mentioned uh, before in previous episodes. But we need we do need to um, just for the sake of anybody that's just now tuning in today. Uh, where have you been, guys? You got to go back and listen to all the old episodes. We're twenty one <laughs> days into uh, Genesis here. But this eighth day theology, this eighth day idea um, is that it's beyond the seventh day, right? So what's a seven? What's seven days? Well, we call that a week, right? Um, but what is beyond those seven days? The new day, right? And so when we talk about Jesus and his resurrection, which, of course, as you said in the opening, you know, we're always viewing the Old Testament with our Jesus. Did you call him Jesus goggles? 
That must yep, be Christ a Minnesota goggles, thing that's as what well. I say. Christ yeah. goggles, okay, yeah, yeah. Our, our Christ-colored glasses or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good so too. as we as we look through and we see um, this passage, you know, we can remember that Jesus was raised, technically speaking, on the eighth day of the week. Yeah, yeah, I know. He he was raised on the first day of the week, as we are reminded in the scriptures and the in the gospels. Mm. But that first day of the week comes right after the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath day, the the Saturday, so that the eighth day is a new day. It's the it's the inauguration of, I mean, in a small way, the new heavens and the new earth. Not fully fulfilled just yet. We're waiting right. for all of that to come when with his return. But we see something new. This God is doing a new thing that is talked about throughout the Psalms, right? This is the new thing that has begun, is that the promise is now being fulfilled. It's manifested right in front of Abraham and right in front of uh, Mary Magdalene and James and John and Peter and the rest of the disciples as they see Jesus risen. But it's rewind all the way back here into Genesis 21 that we see God is doing just as he had promised in giving Abraham offspring and then in setting that offspring aside to be God's own holy people. Am I stretching? Am I going too far? Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Because you do have that eighth day uh, theology. If you go into our Lutheran service book, which is a hymnal that we use in the Lutheran Church, oh, yeah. Missouri Synod, on the top right, you have that cross. And around it, you might not be able to see it, but there's eight boxes that surround it. They're just little square, square boxes. And I remember seeing that. I was like, why do they have that? Well, there's eight of them just showing that we live in that eighth day um, theology. There's actually in Wichita, Kansas, there's a book called the Eighth Day Bookstore. And it's phenomenal. It's just full of rich resources, theological, used books, everything you can imagine. But just understand that we are in a new... Next month, I'm going to be there. Yeah, right. Oh, that's right. It's true. You're going to be there. So check it out. Eighth Day Books. And it just reminds us that we are in this new creation, 1 Corinthians 5.17 type stuff. And you in mm, Christ, you're a it. new creation. And so this is a good reminder for us that they're constantly, as you said, pointing us to Christ throughout and the fulfillment is true. Now, Pastor, I'd want to just highlight a couple of things is, is first of all, it's fascinating to me that we always think of Sarah who laughed behind the, the, the you know, behind when the, when the two angels and Yahweh visit them and he's behind and, and she laughs or she's behind the tent and, and she, she laughs. But also in chapter 17, it is Abraham who laughs too. So they both were right. had so much laughter over this reality that was going to come. Um, and it just, it just reminds me, like you said, they're growing in faith. They're really no different than yeah. us. They're trying to live out their faith. And it says even he fell on verse 17 of chapter 17. Abraham fell sure. on his face and laughed. Right. <laughs> so this was a this was a this was a belly laugh, you know. This was a, a big deal. But it became Yeah, and I think true. it's it, it changes from a sarcastic laugh to a laugh yeah. of joy. Right. Oh, and almost when when Sarah comments in verse six, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. You know, there's almost right. kind of this just like, you know, you were being so silly. You were you weren't trusting in God. You know, of course, I should be the you know, the 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 heel of the joke. Of course, everybody should laugh um, over this this whole episode, how God has turned this this lamenting and this, you know, well, I guess we can give up now. He's turned that into laughter and into joy. I think that's that's also what's going on here. But yes, thank you for pointing out verse 17 of chapter 17. That's good. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And so, Pastor, we have a few minutes before our break. Is there anything else you have in verse uh, verses one through seven? Yeah. So um, 
I mean, this this picture is going to actually change here in the next couple of verses. And so we need to kind of cement this into our minds here that uh, everyone who hears will laugh over me. And when Sarah says that, I think she means it like I'm going to be laughing, too. Like there will be great joy because this child has been born. But we're going to find out when we come back that that laughter isn't always received in perhaps the best way, uh, because uh, Hagar, the Egyptian, uh, and her son Ishmael are also going to uh, be laughing a little bit, and it's not going to be in the way that Sarah wants to receive that laughter. Well, let's keep moving forward in our text, verses 8 through 14. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out the slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Pastor, with about two minutes left before our break, start us off here because we hear laughter again, but it seems to be a little bit different received from Sarah as she hears their laughter. Keep going. Right. So we hear the, we hear the laughter of Ishmael, who is actually not named in this uh, in this chapter. I find that interesting that oh, right. we're, we're not talking about him, right? Um, because maybe it's a little bit too painful for Abraham. I think that's the that's the the individual in this situation that I find who's in the most uncomfortable situation is Abraham, who has now spent uh, about fourteen years raising this child as his own. And, you know, um, when you would do a surrogate situation like this, Sarah would have been as his mother. Okay, so Abraham and Sarah have been raising the child. um, And of course, you know, at some point, you know, he finds out that, you know, Hagar is his mother. But there is this this difficulty on the on the part of Abraham, because when the when Sarah says, you know, cast her out with her son, you know, because the slave of the uh, the son of the slave woman, rather, is not going to uh, be heir along with my son, Isaac. Abraham is distraught. He's torn to pieces. And then God tells him, hey, don't be displeased because of the boy, because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says, do as she tells you, right? God has to actually remind Abraham, again, as he's growing in his faith, God has to remind him once more that the promise is what matters most. Now, I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about this after the break, but this seems like a really uncomfortable thing to us. It seems like uh, something that's, you know, just kind of harsh that Abraham's going to kick them out to die. But this is the way that God wants us to understand things, is that you can't put family, especially blood family, you can't put them ahead of his kingdom. You can't put them ahead of his promises, right? Jesus even talked about this, right? The fact that that there would be, um, you know, uh, sons uh, whose fathers, you know, the uh, fathers whose sons would turn against them, you know, uh, families would be divided two against three and three against two. And this idea that we have, that uh, the uh, there's a division between Abraham and the slave woman and her son and his wife, Sarah. It's going to be important for us to talk about right after the break. <laughs> well, let's take our break. Uh, we are studying Genesis chapter 22 with Pastor Dustin Beck, and we'll be right back.
These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 21 with Pastor Dustin Beck of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. And Pastor, we ended in verse 14, and it really is one of those uncomfortable family gathering moments where it's like, okay, why are they here? And and why is she here? And yeah. why is he there? This cannot be part of this. And it just, it ends in verse 14. We have more to the story, obviously. It ends with kind of like, get them out of here. And they, I guess you'd say, kick them out. Help us, help us understand what, what's going on. Any, any other thoughts you have as we look at this? Yeah, sure. So, and again, sorry to leave our listeners uh, in the lurch between the, the segments here. I'm glad right. that you're still with us. So um, again, it's, it's helpful for us uh, to jump back, and I, I'm sorry that we keep jumping back, but it's important. Do you remember back in chapter 17, and this is verse 18, uh, because okay. uh, when uh, Abraham is falling on his face and laughing, the very next verse says, Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He's had this kid for about 10 years at this point. He's he's like, he's gotten really close to him, you know, I mean, he's his firstborn son, for crying out loud. But yeah. then in verse 19, God said no. Remember, Abraham's the guy who's going to, he's going to haggle with God over Sodom and Gomorrah down to, you know, a couple of righteous people and everything. But here, when Abraham asks, when he begs, when he pleads with God, oh, that Ishmael might be the one who lives before you. Oh, that he might be the fulfillment of the promise. God says, no, no. your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Right. And he continues on. He says, I'm going to bless Ishmael as well and multiply him greatly. In fact, when you fast forward to the end of Ishmael's life, it says that he is gathered up to his people. Right. Which I I think that means that Ishmael is, you know, what we would, we would say he's a Christian. I think that Ishmael does have the faith. I mean, mm -hmm. he's certainly circumcised alongside Abraham. But here it's important uh, to realize that he is not a part of the same, um, the same promise, the same covenant. He's not a part of the same family, the by uh, faith in God's promise family, as is Abraham. And maybe he comes to realize that later. I think Luther talks about that a little bit in his uh, commentary on this text. He says that, you know, he says that Ishmael may have gone off and become a good preacher. Because, of course, he, mm. he was there being uh, under uh, Abraham's tutelage for the first half of his life, the first you know dozen years of his life. But here um, is this uncomfortable moment. You know, we hope and we certainly hope that he came to understand it along the way. And, of course, he's going to see in the next couple of verses that God is a God who provides mm. just differently in this circumstance. So, yeah, the uncomfortable conversation of Abraham having to tell Hagar, you know, take the boy and go. He provides for them. Of course, he doesn't provide very much, but then he sends them off on their way into the wilderness. And we get to verse 15. And this is where, uh, there's two things with this. Is The, the first one is, we, we have to, well, we have to go by what God says, that the Lord yeah. will provide. And we've always, you know, we get to chapter 22, 
and God does provide the ram, you know, for, right. for Isaac and uh, for Abraham. And I find it interesting here that these verses we will read, it shows that God was providing for Hagar and Ishmael as well. And I love, I love, you know, so God provides for them before he quote provides for Isaac, which I just shows that promise yeah. that God has. And just because he said no, that he would not be there does not mean that he did not provide. Which and he is, is no very, less God for Ishmael than he is God for Abraham and right. Isaac. Right? He's oh, God over so all of creation. Yeah. 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 That's great to remember because we're so easily, well, he wasn't there for him, but he is there for him and yada, yada, yada. But here we see that come to fulfillment, verses 15 through 21. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him in a good way, a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat down opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness in Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Before, before we say this, it is it, God is the actor. God opened her eye. God was with the boy as he grew up. Um, it's I love the language, this understanding of God, once again, carrying his people, not just for Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, but also for Hagar and Ishmael as they continued in their lives. So, Pastor, anything else you have in 15 to 21? Yeah, one of the things that really uh, struck me when I read Luther's commentary on this uh, on this section was the amount of detail that goes into it. I mean, when Moses is writing this, of course, it's very likely, I mean, it's obviously been given to him by the Holy Spirit, but it's also very much um, been handed down by verbal tradition at this point through God's people. Um, and when Moses goes to write this down, um, the details that he puts, as far as uh, the water in the skin is gone, she puts the child, can you imagine a 14-year-old child that she's placing under a bush? Right. And then mm -hmm. she's going opposite. She's going a little bit away is about the distance of a bow shot. When was the last time you shot a bow and arrow? Pastor Fitton? <laughs> <laughs> long time, long time. It's been a while. So mine wouldn't go very well, far. Should, mine wouldn't go very far. You should far. come to Faith Lutheran <laughs> High School in Central Texas. They have an archery team. <laughs> Anyways, nevertheless. Um, so she wants to get some distance. She wants to get away so that she doesn't have to watch her child die which is just, you know, it's gut-wrenching. It's, it's terrible. She lifts up her voice and wept, but then God heard the voice of the boy who is also apparently praying. He's also apparently over there with his, with his parched breath calling out to God. And then the angel of God came to Hagar from heaven and says, what's troubling you? Fear not. God has heard the voice of the boy. Lift up the boy and hold him with your hand. Um, and then she turns, she opens her eyes. God opens her eyes, as you said, uh, and she sees this well of water that God has provided. And she goes and gives the boy a drink and then God continues to be with him, right? Like you said, it's, it's all about the fact that God is with them and that he's not going to abandon people just because they're outside of um, a particular promise or a particular covenant. Instead, God is still going to be God uh, for all of the people on, uh, on the planet, especially those who have, um, who have bumped into Abraham and have heard of this God and have now a faith, some sort of a faith in this God who provides.
And, and while well, we thank God for the no, I guess you would say in chapter 17, wow. um, we yeah. thank God for that. No, because uh, it was through Isaac that the promise was for Hagar and Ishmael. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of this is this because you're not part of the promise doesn't mean yeah. that that promise is not for you. If I, if I made that distinction clear that we, right. <laughs> that, that from Isaac, the promises were true for Hagar and Ishmael as well. Thoughts? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I love the way that you put that. And, uh, you know, I think there's a country song from a while back about unanswered prayers. Be careful with that one. There's problems with that when too. God, but... Yeah, well, absolutely. But sometimes when God says no, he is actually saying no for a reason, right? And this right. is so that he can be faithful um, to the promise that he made, the covenant that he established with Abraham, that uh, through Sarah, would his offspring be named? And you remember, again, I hate that we're, we're rewinding so much, but the whole episode <laughs> with Hagar and Ishmael is about the fact that Abraham took matters into his old, own hands. Uh, his right. old hands, his old, own old hands, yes. It's there that he there tried to circumvent <laughs> God's will and God's promise and God's plan, and he tried to say, you know, I can make God's kingdom come among us. Right? I can make this happen. God wants me to have uh, offspring. Well, I better get started. And, you know, this is the way that we do this. Um, they didn't have in vitro fertilization just yet. And so surrogacy was the best, uh, next best option. And so he says, I'm going to make it happen. But the whole point of Abraham, as Paul so beautifully hammers into us throughout the epistles, is that Abraham is the man of faith. God's blessing toward Abraham comes on account of faith, not on account of his ability to figure out how to make God's kingdom and God's will come and be done. But instead, God's kingdom comes where and when he wishes it, and his will is done even without our prayer. Uh, but we pray uh, in the Lord's Prayer that we would be accepting of his will, that we would say, thy will be done, and that we would actually mean those words. Um, I, one more thing here before we jump into uh, uh, verse 22 and following is the fact that Paul takes up uh, this episode between uh, Hagar and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Ishmael. He takes it up in Galatians 4, and he sort of allegorizes it. Mm -hmm. He talks about mm -hmm. the uh, the mistreatment that uh, Ishmael has towards um, uh, towards Isaac. He talks about the uh, also the uh, mistreatment that Hagar, the Egyptian, uh, towards uh, her, uh, her master, her mistress, rather, Sarah. And uh, uh, he almost kind of takes it to the place, and I, I think this is interesting, that this is perhaps a foreshadowing uh, of Israel's slavery in Egypt. I, 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 I think mm -hmm. Luther touched on that, uh, and I saw a couple other commentaries that made mention of that, the fact that when the Egyptians mistreat those of Abraham, that's what we should be you know, kind of thinking of here, uh, is the fact that, yeah, Israel will be, eventually Israel, will be under the thumb of the Egyptians, from whom Hagar and um, you know, also by extension Ishmael and also Ishmael's wife, who is from the land of Egypt, right? They will be under their oppression for a time, but again, it's not going to be by uh, uh, by their own will, by their own actions or activities, the people of Israel, that is. Um, they will be delivered ultimately from the house of slavery by God's mighty outstretched arm, which they receive uh, as a promise given to Moses. Um, they receive uh, by faith uh, as they cling to uh, the word of God delivered by Moses through the mouth of Aaron. And this is where we see, as you mentioned, Galatians 4. And that yeah. is kind of a very difficult, uh, you it's really weird, have right? to make sure you have your Walt <laughs> Christ goggles on, but it, you really have yeah. to be able to make sure you take your time. So verses 21 through 31. And and I love how you, how you laid it out for us, because when you put it in context of what we're talking about here, it makes more sense. But I, I, 
I have to admit, I'm going to have to reread that. And I encourage our listeners to reread that as yeah. well as we look yeah, at Galatians chapter four, as we look at this. Um, it, it, it is interesting to me that, like you said, he sends, Abraham sends him out with relatively little. I mean, it's kind of like, oh yeah. yeah, you're my son. This pains me. Here's a, here's a skin of water and, and go out. But we see once again, God providing, this is descriptive. This is not a matter of, well, you know, I kind of have a, a son over here that I don't really want. So therefore I'll just send him out with very little because God will provide for them. <laughs> this is right. not a call right. for don't fathers do that. not to provide. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But it does show that promise. And this is why I love 21 leads us to 22 yeah. about the Lord will provide. And then that's an important theme that God and God carries us through. So once again, yesterday's program, going back, as you said, you don't like doing, but God dang it. I like it. I like going back because it reminds us of where we are now. So God will provide. Pastor, anything else in these 1 through 21, basically, in chapter 21? Yeah, um, I think that that pretty much puts a bow on it. We do have, um, well, yeah, I don't I don't know how big of a deal I want to make out of this because we are sort of moving away from the Isaac part for just a minute because we're going to get into this um, sort of uh, political kind of civic arrangement. Mm -hmm. So I'll go ahead. I think I'll go ahead and uh, sum up uh, this and I'm going to make a maybe a hmm, this might be a little bit of a controversial statement. So I apologize if anybody is offended or if I'm wrong. But when you look at the story, the uh, the full blown account of Abraham, right, we get a lot of details. There's a lot of things that are going on in this man's life, right? Um, right. I would say similarly of Jacob. We're going to see a ton of stuff with Jacob uh, and his sojourning and his swindling and everything else. So we have Sunday school stories about Jacob and the, you know, with the furry coat and everything like that. And and then wrestling with God and the stairway to heaven, not the song and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, Leah and, and, and Rachel and every, you know, everything goes, you know, it, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff there. Isaac, he's more of a minor character. That's my that's my controversial statement. He's a big deal because he's the fulfillment mm-hmm. of the promise. But you think about the things that Isaac does, right? He's born, he's circumcised, he's nearly sacrificed, right? right. And then they go and they they find him a wife. Uh, but then the the rest of Isaac's story is that he has twins and goes blind and inadvertently blesses the wrong one, and then he dies. You know, in terms of mm. the overall arch of the Abraham family, Isaac is really kind of a passive player in it. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to dis, to dismiss or to to make light or little of Isaac, but it's like I said at the opening of the program that I think Isaac is kind of a he he's the dripping of the faucet. You know, it's you know when you when you open up the uh, the spillway on the dam and there's just a, a little bit that's coming out, it's starting to flow, kind of a deal, and you know that eventually big stuff is going to happen. I, mm, like I said, before mm. we leave behind Isaac for the day, I wanted to just uh, kind of throw out a big controversial statement, and people will probably disagree <laughs> with me, but that's okay. That's okay. I, I like well, Isaac. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not a fan, but this is. His story is a little bit less active, a little less involved. What do you think? <laughs> and this is where I, I, I think I think it's something that I never thought about very much because with the waiting for Isaac is something that we talk about so much. Yeah. And the actual story of Isaac is relatively insignificant. And even when it is, for example, what we'll get to in chapter 22, it, it really emphasizes yeah. on the Lord. You know, and and right. we, for example, 
you don't hear a lot of times that if you're like in an interview uh, for a, uh, like at seminary, they're asking you questions and, and all these. And they say, if they were to ask you, what's your, who's your favorite Bible character? Not character, Bible person. <laughs> um, yeah. That uh, How many times do people say Isaac? I mean, this is, there's just not, not a many. lot of there. Not many. Yeah. And when you do, yeah. what are you going to say? Like, well, you know, I don't, you know, I, if I bless the wrong child or something, you know, this is, or I might be sacrificed someday. I mean, this is not a lot there. So there is that relative insignificance to him, which makes you wonder why did the Holy Spirit lead Moses to kind of lead up to him so much, but yet there's not a lot there, but it shows us once again, I like how you're saying this, the fulfillment that starts with a drip is kind of the main uh, point of this because it was never about Isaac but it always would be about right. the Messiah that was still yet to come. It's kind of how I would probably talk about it. Um, and I, I think yeah. that we um, could also say that, um, and I know we got to get to the rest of our text, but I think you could also say that, you know, we can see Abraham's faith evident and we can also see his failures. I love how you described it in your previous guest who described it of his faith growing. Right. I think maybe yeah. with Isaac, mm-hmm. we see a picture of just a um, more of a quiet faith. Right. I mean, he's still going to he's also going to try to uh, sell off or uh, uh, say that um, Rebecca is his sister. Right. To Abimelech later. Right. Interesting mm-hmm. thing. That's true. Follows yeah. in his father's mm-hmm. footsteps there. But really and truly, his faith doesn't take him on or at least are not recorded the same kinds of far reaching adventures as uh, was Abraham or as will be Jacob's. So maybe it just point, uh, paints us a different picture of a different faith, not a different faith. But you know what I mean? A faith that's expressed mm-hmm. uh, in more of a quietness, less of a, you know, there are some, you know, some pastors who, uh, you know, they they have, you know, impressive resumes of things that they've done and there are other pastors that spend 40 or 50 years serving the same parish and they they confirm people and baptize people and marry people and bury people and they do all of these things faithfully for all of that time and nobody else in the synod knows about it and that's great that's fine that's That's wonderful god be praised for abraham's and isaac's and jacob's like all, all the rest you know and I'll, I'll say this too. We see this in all of our churches uh, because you have so yeah. many people that have been there forever and they serve in small ways, uh, put put little change in those mic boxes and use that as a time of prayer. I just visited someone uh, yesterday and she's in her 90s and, and she's. I asked her, do you have any prayer requests? And she said, oh, pastor, there's just so much to pray for. And she went down her list of what she tries to pray for every single day. And you're just like, okay, I got to work on this. Because somebody that is is relatively quiet, relatively to herself, um, been widowed for many, many years, that she is one that does it all in the background. But yet the power that is there, the faithfulness that is there is so significant um, but God, you know, it's, it's, it's always been about Jesus and that, and that is a focus right. that we will still see today. Like you said, in pastors, our church workers, our teachers, like at your, at your school, at faith and, and also with the people that are part of our congregations. And like you said, yes, sir. God be praised and God be praised. Mm. So pastor, let's, let's finish this off. We are at verses 22 till the end, verse 34. We have about 10 minutes left in our time. At that time, Abimelech and Fakol. And the command, the commander of the army said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity. But as I have dealt kindly with you, so will you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. 
Then Abraham reproved Abimelech about the well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Abraham sent seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? He said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand. That is, may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore, that place was called Beersheba, because they both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol and the commander, of the, ar- the commander of the army rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there the name of the Lord Yahweh, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. Like you said, this is kind of a, a government political move. A uh, lot of details here, like you have highlighted, there's just a lot of details that Moses puts in here. Uh, where do you want to begin? Well, so let's start off by beginning with um, Abimelech's words to Abraham. God is with you in all that you do. Uh, a wonderful blessing. Uh, and you know, you, your mind almost harkens back to the promise uh, that God had originally given to Abraham, right? That all of the nations will be blessed through your offspring and that those who bless you, God says, I will bless. So um, Abraham or Abimelech rather is entering here. Um, at least it appears, and I couldn't find anything else outside of it um, that says that, you know, uh, there's any kind of uh, screwy business going on. It seems like he's coming to Abraham in good faith. He's trying to make an agreement with him because he sees Abraham is on the rise. He sees now he's got a family. He's thrown this big banquet. He's had all the people out to celebrate. Um, and so he says, let's enter into a covenant together so that we can get along. And this it reminds me of when we pray for good government, right? When we pray that we could live peaceable, quiet lives, right? Um, that's what I think is going on here uh, is that Abimelech is showing up and saying, I want that between us. I want us to be at peace with each other. And Abraham agrees. I don't think this is a weakness of his faith. I don't think he's saying, you know, I can't trust in God, so I have to trust in the the pagan who's here uh, as the king. Mm. Um, but there is this, this little, you know, kind of uh, fly in the ointment. There's this well of water. And again, even going back to Hagar and Ishmael, it always seems to be about mm-hmm. water, right? There's this, right, this right. idea that... Um, well, when we're lacking in something, it's going to be water. When we're uh, when there's something that that comes that goes wrong, it's going to be revolving around the concept or the idea of water. And so Abimelech very quickly, uh, you know, says uh, after his servants had seized this well from Abraham, he goes, "I didn't know about this. You know, you 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 didn't tell me. I didn't I didn't know what was going on." And so Abraham goes, and this is again reminiscent of when Abimelech had taken but not slept with Sarah, Abraham's wife, and he gives Abraham gifts to say, "Hey, you know, this is." I'm putting my money where my mouth is. This is my pledge to you. I didn't touch her. I didn't do a thing. So Abraham is giving these uh, lambs, these you lambs, he's giving them to him as a covenant and as an agreement. And he's saying, listen, I just want you to know that, you know, I'm acting in good faith here. I want to make sure that you're whole, that you're not feeling like you're slighted in this deal because I want to make sure that, you know, everything that is back to the way that it should be. And he did this so that they wouldn't later come back. You know, the the Canaanites come back and say, no, Abraham stole this well from us. So they made this oath, this covenant, they made this agreement. um, And so now Abraham has a place to water his livestock while he's dwelling in the land of the Philistines. Would we say something along the lines 
That is that is a great reminder for us, as you said that. Some of the lines of goes back to that idea of God providing, and we're seeing how God provided for that peace surrounding yeah. God's people as they were going through, that God provides that. And I, I do want to hear this from you, Pastor, is you said it well, that we pray for good government, that God does yeah. work through our government. And you did mention this in your prayers. You know, we do have what we would say that God has worked through the government to, you know, Roe versus Wade being taken away. And that it's a long subject that I know we'll, I encourage all of our listeners to pray, talk to your pastor, right. you know, go back to the scriptures, care and love for people. But we do believe that God works through the government, which is why we pray for that. So you want to want to, as we look at this and look at our day and age today with about three minutes left, any, any thoughts and encouragement for our listeners in that realm? Well, absolutely. So uh, we do pray for good government. Uh, we pray for our president, for our Congress, uh, for the uh, for the Congress and the legislatures in all of our states and our governors and everything else. We pray for our uh, for our judges um, and, and the justices on the Supreme Court and for everyone that they would uh, act with godly wisdom. And when we see examples of this in the Bible of government getting it right uh, or of a king who gets it right, we can certainly be thankful. Um, that doesn't mean uh, that, you know, when government gets it wrong, uh, that we should, uh, you know, just say, well, I mean, government is established by God. So I guess, you know, we've got to we've got to go along to get along kind of a deal. But uh, thankfully, you know, in our day, we have been given a government where we do have representation and it's not just the whim of a king. And so we have to say, well, you know, God give us a good one. Uh, we hope that everything turns out. But the thing that I do want to uh, finish up today saying is that um, this chapter, this text ends on this idea of even after the covenant has been made, what's the very next thing that Abraham does? Well, he uh, plants this tamarisk tree uh, there in Beersheba, mm. and there he calls on the name of Yahweh, the everlasting God. So we have um, at the beginning of the chapter, we have this beautiful image of the Lord Yahweh visiting Sarah and giving her a child, giving Abraham his child, the one that will be the uh, the uh, the seed from which the great seed, Jesus, uh, the, the son of Abraham, the child of Isaac, Jacob of David will come. But here, Abraham is not going to stop giving thanks. He's not going to stop uh, calling upon God's name uh, and listening to God. That's the important thing that we have here with calling on the name of Yahweh is that he's calling to God and he's listening to God, uh, which God is delivering to Abraham his word, which in the very next chapter is going to take him to a very strange place where he's asked to sacrifice even this new child. You know, he sent away one child and now God says, now um, take your son Isaac, the one whom you love, and sacrifice him to me. But I don't want to let too many... Uh, details out because we got to talk about that next time uh, on thy strong word but this is an important thing is that abraham's faith continues to grow in the name of yahweh the everlasting god who fulfills his promises and it, it it's fascinating too because now i'm really looking at those last words that yeah. when he says you know that uh they're called on the name of the lord yahweh the everlasting god now i'm just thinking of you know, when Noah uh, gets off the ark, um, yeah. he calls on the name of the Lord. He makes a burnt offering. Now I'm really going to be intrigued looking throughout Genesis is when uh, the patriarchs and probably the matriarchs call on the name of the Lord and what that means of, of God's faithfulness throughout all of this. But Pastor, right now we have about 30 seconds left. How do you want to end our time and encourage our listeners oh. in Christ? Goodness. Well, well, everyone, we need to remember that the Lord will provide. 
right? Mm. Um, we're going to see this uh, in our next text. You got to listen to the next one. If you listen to this one, you got to listen to the next one, because again, we just had a snippet of Isaac. He's been a baby so far and he just got weaned. We're going to get back into the Isaac story. We're going to get back into the program of God's covenant being fulfilled and that trickle. Um, oh man, it's going to be a, a rushing flood when God calls Abraham and says, um, uh, you know, it's time for you to show your faith. And uh, Abraham's great words of faith, the Lord will provide, are ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. So that's where we're going, dear friends. This is a, a transition chapter, giving us Isaac and taking us to Mount Moriah, where um, Abraham is going to be faithful once more, and God will provide for him. Pastor Dustin Beck of Holy Cross Lutheran Church and Warda, Texas, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 21. Pastor Beck, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Oh, it's my pleasure, sir. God bless you. I'm your, uh, you as well. I'm your host, Brady Finner and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.